0: All right, listeners, very, very excited. Here we have her finally with us on the line. You know her from Coming Home, The Golden Seal, and Heathers, amongst other films. We have with us Academy Award-nominated actress Penelope Milford. Thank you so much for coming on today.
1: Oh, I'm so glad to be with you. It's nice to
0: talk to you. For sure, for sure. Um, Quick little history, though, for the listeners, because we actually have a lot of... um, Special meeting with with you on our podcast. I know you listened to our 1978 episode when I had contacted you again. But for the people who don't know, um, you and I actually were in contact a couple of years ago um, regarding a, a project that I was doing with uh, my late friend Karen Black. And that's how we got in contact. We've actually talked before. But this is the first time you and I have had actually had a chance to like sit down and talk about your career, which I'm super excited about. So thank you, again, from the bottom of my heart, for doing this.
1: Oh, you're really welcome. I've been looking forward to talking with you some more because after I read your really interesting script.
0: Thank you. Thank you. That actually means a lot. I appreciate that. Um, <laughs> so, uh, Brandon, do you want to start us off here? We'll dive right in.
2: Sure. So I was going to start us off here in the sort of prologue to Coming Home period, a couple things you did before that film. So before coming home, you appeared in two films by filmmakers that we have discussed on the show, the first one being Frank Perry. You acted in his Man on a Swing starring Joel Gray, who had just won his Oscar for Cabaret. So would you be able to tell us a little bit about how yeah, you that, got that, that gig?
1: Sure, I'd love to. Uh, that was actually one of the very first films that I did. Um, I don't remember. I did a film a kind of experimental film with Norman Mailer before that called Maidstone. But this is one of the first, uh, you know, studio films that I did. And um, it was a real learning experience because I had only worked in um, commerce, done a few commercials as a teenager and in theater. And so when they sat me down for a close-up on an Apple box, and I was supposed to actually be, Uh, In a car, interviewed by Chris Robinson, uh, Robertson. Um, I I had no idea what was going on because there was nobody to talk to. I was sitting on an Apple box. It was all very strange to me. (laughs) But I had a great time, and it was a really um, good opportunity, you know, right off at the beginning of my career.
2: Did you uh, learn anything on that film that you took along with you on a project afterwards?
1: Um, Yeah, I learned that uh, you really have to think on your feet and nobody's going to tell you in advance uh, what, you know, the technical things about uh, filming that you don't know. So, all throughout my career, my film career, I've always kind of. been kind of uncomfortable, uh, with not knowing exactly what's going on technologically, you know, because, um, I just was very home on the stage. That's, uh, how I started acting. I was in musicals in high school and did plays and, you know, I felt really comfortable on the stage. And, um, so when I started filming, I, I, you know, it was like thrown into the, Right, thrown into the water without knowing how to swim, really. <laughs> and you really and and I and I, you know, really enjoyed it. But it was kind of um catch as catch can as far as that's concerned. Frank Terry was really a sweet man and, and I really loved his uh um film David and Lisa. That's how I so I, I, I had a lot of respect for him as a filmmaker. Um, I was really lucky in my career to work with a number of filmmakers that I admire, because I you know I love film, but I'd never thought of uh, being a film actress as I was growing up. I just worked on the stage, and that's that's you know what I knew. So when I came to New York and started auditioning for things, I had an agent. I was uh, you know ready to go for anything <laughs> that i could that I could get. So it was really exciting.
2: Following Man on what? the Swing, you worked with the infamous director Ken Russell on the notorious little film called Valentino. So I'm uh, dying to hear how you got that role and what that film experience was like.
1: There's a lot of interesting parts to that. Uh, the um, One of the screenwriters on that film, uh, his name is John Byram. He also directed uh, a number of films um, uh with Liz's Edge, with Bill Murray, and Heartbreak, with Susie uh, Spacek about Kerouac. Uh, and uh, he was a really good screenwriter, but I went to high school with him and actually did some movies that we made in high school, Super 8 movies. He um, went out to Hollywood and uh, was writing with Ken Russell the script for Valentino. And um, he told me that I, you know, when I came to Hollywood, from New York, he said, oh, you have to meet Ken, you know, I I got this great part for you, it's Lorna Sinclair, she's a starlet in a a, uh, silent movie, you know, features with uh, Rudolph Valentino, That Nureyev was playing, it was his first role, his first acting role, actually, for uh, Rudolph, Um, Nureyev. And, uh, so I so I met with Ken and I actually had read the script the part of that um the script that I was um auditioning for and I and I met with Ken and I I just was the character when I met with him so uh he said yeah okay you can do it and um so I w- I went to uh work out the whole scene with my friend uh Mark Baker um before I went to London and then I went to London and um, we we went to rehearse the scene which is uh, 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 um, she she plays a starlet uh, it's Lorna Sinclair I played a starlet who was in uh, this um, film where we have these 50 pounds you know Marie Antoinette like Costumes on, and uh, he's a courtier, and I'm his, um, you know, his romantic partner. And um, I forget what the movie was originally that Rudolph Valentino uh, did that we were, you know, it reenacting. Anyway, so, so the scene, the main, the, there are a number of scenes, but the main scene was a a, a sex scene. A, a, A bedroom scene where we go back to his bungalow during the lunch hour filming and, and we have this, you know, crazy sex scene. And, um, I have this long monologue where I'm fantasizing being ravished by the sheep, you know, which was a, a character that Rudolph Valentino, um, also played. And, uh, Rudolph Nuria, was so uncomfortable with this scene. He hated it. It was like he, he just didn't want it, uh, want to do it at all. Because first of all, it was his first acting gig, and he he didn't have any lines during the scene, hardly. I had this long monologue while I'm on top of him, naked, and so you know, understandingly, that's going to make him uncomfortable. Um, <laughs> so. He really wanted to do everything he could to get that scene out of the movie. But Ken Russell wanted to do everything he could to keep the scene in the movie. So I'm kind of like in between all these you know, forces. I, of course, want to keep the scene in the movie because it's my scene. Mm-hmm. And so um, at one point, it got so tense and a lot of this, I was in denial of. I didn't, I didn't pay attention to, you know, what was going on between Rudolph and and Ken. But at one point, I um, he says, I, I, you know, I can't do it anymore. I won't, I won't work with her, you know. And uh, so Ken came up with the idea that well, we had filmed a lot of it. He came up with the idea he just he was, we didn't have to be together at the same time. I was, you know, he he said, my angle separately from his angle and so it it worked out it was perfect but I just held on you know I I know that um I could have very easily you know if I got in if I let myself be upset and and kind of give up and throw a fit or whatever you know about what was going on during the scene but I but I didn't you know I actually just called up my girlfriend and in Hollywood, and say, "Come out and you know, be there for me you know, while I'm doing this." And she did, and, and then we took a vacation in France for a couple of weeks afterwards. In between, and then we went back and filmed some more. But it was, you know, it was like, it was like a war <laughs> without the killing.
0: <laughs> so, but it was
1: great. I love, I love the scene. It was very funny, and I'm really proud of it. You know. Especially since I know, you know, what it took to, to actually get it done. Well, You just have to, you know, persevere. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's the whole secret of success is perseverance,
0: right? Correct. So you do a few films, you know, like it was already stated with Maid Stone Man on a Swing, Valentino. And then I remember coming across one of the only interviews I can find with you. It's actually on YouTube and it's an audio clip where you got the script for Coming Home. And the way that Vi was written on the page, I I believe you referenced her as a very Bette Midler type. Like there was like this shtick almost to her. Um, So what was your process of reading for Coming Home, getting the character of Vi and really like bringing her from script to screen? Well, that was one of the more
1: interesting experiences I had because in this script, I think there were five or five uh, script screenwriters that were involved in it. It just went on. Uh, Jane Fonda started the project like five years before or so, before it was actually produced. And um, they went through, oh, five, like I said, five screenwriters. And the second to the last one was Waldo Salt, who was really wonderful, uh, well-known screenwriter. And, and uh, he he uh, was ill and couldn't couldn't come on the set and continue it. But so I so I read his script and it was really wonderful. It was very um, character oriented and and uh, when I auditioned for it, um, there was a scene. I I did a tape with the casting director and uh, also one of my best friends was. Two of my best friends were also up for the same park, so it was really it was really fun because <laughs> we used to we used to drive to auditions in the same car. Anyway, so I was doing this I did this scene where uh Vi um finds out that she and um Jane Fonds character had to have uh, an opportunity to go to R and R to see their boyfriend and their husband. And um I realized that I really would like to, but I can't because I feel obligated and and worried about my brother who's in the, fight, uh, the veteran's the hospital there and he's really in an unstable condition and so I, I was really disappointed but I was kind of um, frustrated and complex about the whole thing and so did that scene and I heard later that that's one of the reasons why um, I got the part because I was able to uh, you know. Communicate that conflict and that disappointment, in not being able to go, and yet, and yet, you know, feeling uh, love and obligation for being there for my brother. And uh, I think the reason that I could really do that well is because I had a brother <laughs> that mm. I was really, really close to, and he—he he was in the Kim Milford. Uh, Richard, he went by Richard Kim Milford, and he, we were all—he was my younger brother, three years younger than me, and so. It was kind of a similar relationship that I had with him, uh, as I had with as Bye had with a uh, you know, uh, her brother's character played by Robert Bob Carradine in there. So, um yeah, it was the whole uh process of the script was really fascinating to me because Hal Ashby being a real uh starting off as a wonderful film editor had a lot of confidence in being able to put together something um, as we went along. In other words, the script wasn't finished. There were a lot of scenes that, that we had to improvise um, while we were filming. And uh, that, you know, gave a lot of opportunity for spontaneity and and uh, just the way he filmed was very creative and, and I I loved it because it was... It felt really collaborative you know and um so i i i actually <laughs> when we the Bob Jones who was the um the editor uh, i mean he had been an editor but he also he was put on the set as the as the screenwriter who who would make the day to day changes if they needed to and I got the first i went to the set and i and I got my first day on the set and I got the blue pages, which are the pages that have been uh, changed, you know and um, I found that, that he had or someone had taken out all the all that, the best the um, inconsistent uh, parts of my character. in other words, the things that kind of didn't make any sense. Why would she say that? you know and but those are the things that I held on to to create the character, you know, because that's where the, uh, that's where, to me, the goal is when you create a character, is all the things that don't make sense, you have to make, you have to, as an actor, make, do the work to make this, make them make sense, and so those things had all been eliminated, but I just put them back in, and <laughs> nobody noticed what it was better for me though. You know, I just like characters that are not uh, totally um,
0: consistent. Well, it's funny that you mentioned that they're human to you because the other thing that, you know, makes Penelope Milford, the actress, so important to the podcast with us is that, and you heard it on the episode, was Brandon and I, if we had been in charge of giving away the Oscars, both gave you the win because we felt that really we, we, yeah we did you were our winner that year um so if you know if wow. we, we felt that actors can act and be a character or actors can just be the character and it actually uh we termed the coin or we, we coined the term the penelope milford effect for our show when we review our performance and oh. yeah when we review a performance and you forget that you're watching an actor because some actors could have played vi you were vi and so that's why we coined that term for future shows so it definitely came off like you just weren't acting but you were this character and honestly it's perfection bravo for that
1: oh wow i really i'm really flattered i really am (laughs) i'm really uh happy that you told me that anyway because you know that's I, I I do these things for myself, you know. I work for myself in order to be the, you know, most truthful as I can. But you know, you don't always know if it's going to work or people are going to appreciate it. So I really like hearing that you that you picked up on, you know, how my process and and actually, uh, I when I was listening to your podcast, you talked about how you like the character of Bond in the film because it seemed to fit in and not just be a, you know, a, let's say a, a foil for Jane's character, you know, that uh, it was actually a full character in herself. And it, the whole the whole film was like that. I mean, I think you really got a sense there wasn't just this romantic interest and then this sub, subplot and then these other minor characters. I mean, everybody was it was a very balanced film in terms of uh, being whole characters. And one thing that I wanted to tell you is I'm so happy that you, that that you picked up on that because while we were filming, um, uh, coming home, I told you that, you know, it was very fluid and nobody knew what was going to happen from one moment to the next. We didn't even have an ending to the film, you know, Mm -hmm. while we were already shooting. And, um, I went in for a costume uh, costume session with Ann Roth, this wonderful wonderful woman who's still working and done many many wonderful films, costume designer, to pick out the you know what what Vi was going to wear, and I said, well you know, what 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 am I going to wear for the what is she going to wear for the the scene after her brother kills himself and they go out, you know, and she goes, oh oh that's not in the film anymore. And I said, What? What are you talking about? She said, Yeah, they decided or somebody decided that she really wouldn't be there for that because she would have gone she wouldn't have given up that trip to uh Hong Kong or wherever they went for R and R. So she wouldn't be there for her brother when he's when he's uh, you know, takes his life. Uh John would have that scene instead, you know, the, the reaction to that. And I thought, oh, okay. <laughs> I was, you know, like, I was really shocked. And um, so the next day or so, we're sitting around filming the, um, the picnic scene, you know, out there on the 4th of July. And uh, we're, in those days, you could wait for the sun to be in the right place and There's 80 extras and most of them paraplegic. Mm-hmm. And... Um, we're sitting there at the table, just waiting for hours, waiting for the sun to be in the right position. And um, I said to Hal Ashby, the director, uh, "I hear I'm, we're not having that scene in the film." Um, uh, he says, "Yeah, yeah, that's right." And I said, "Well, <laughs> it's pretty ballsy of me to say this because I was like young and really nobody in terms of the people in the in the cast, as far as." You know, power positions are being well known. But then again, when you're young, you have the arrogance to be able to to say things that are truthful that you might think twice about when you're older, you know. And uh, so I said to him, I said, "How if I'm not, if, if we don't have that scene in the film, then there's no reason for by as a character even to be in this film, you know, other than just as a, you know, to set Jane's hair." Mm-hmm. You know, um, or me as an, or me as an actress, because it really, you know, it really—that's the crux of the whole character, how she, the relationship with her brother, you know. And uh, he didn't say anything, and next thing I knew, it was back in. Him. So I just kind of learned to speak up, you know, because you have to always protect the integrity of your work, you know, and and to me when I'm you know, when I'm really involved in 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 the character and the life of a of a big story that's not my own, I really um feel responsible for it, you know.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And um so I'm glad I did that it worked out.
2: <laughs> you have been listening to a clip from one of our Academy Queens bonus episodes. If you would like to hear all of this episode and the rest of our sensational bonus content, please prance on over to patreon.com academyqueens and join our queendom.